Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1-800-060-896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. 28-3 third quarter and Petrarca is in full flight. It's absolutely burning out in the lead, Petrarca. It's about 12, 15 metres clear of Mr Hunter. He's done a pretty good job in the second spot. But Petrarca, he's on a uh, mission here today, this little two-year-old. He's speedy, he's fast, and he comes down and bolts in. Good performance. That was the horse Petrarca. that Chris Barsby was talking about that's got a massive wrap on it. Hasn't had a race start, but that was a recent trial called by Rob Orba in Victoria. And it's Bathurst tomorrow night, Chris, so we don't have to wait long. Good morning. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. He steps out in race eight tomorrow night, which is heat seven of the gold crown for the two-year-old Colts and Geldings. And he'll wear saddlecloth number six. He'll start from five. There's an early scratching to his inside, but he is going to be deep into the red, Steve. And uh, this is going to be exciting to see because that trial was just breathtaking. Nathan Jack, who drove him in that trial, takes the drive tomorrow night. We know Nathan's in super form. Won the recent Group 1 Newcastle a mile. He was in the winner's circle last night, claiming a heat of the gold tiara for the two-year-old fillies, and he gave me a huge rap for this guy. So really looking forward to seeing this uh, horse step out. Trained by Emma Stewart, Clayton Tonkin. They know how to get a good horse going early, so there's a lot to look forward to tomorrow night. I certainly are the king of the kids, that stable uh, in Victoria. Well, we're very keen. We're listening to every word uh, coming from Scott Steele this morning, the CEO of Albion Park Harness Club. He's with us now. Well, the biggest question, no doubt, Steve, in harness racing right now is when are we going to return to Albion Park, the headquarters of harness racing in the Sunshine State? And the best person to ask is the chief executive, and he's online with us now. Scott, good morning. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Chris and listeners. Yes, uh, gentlemen, we've um, obviously been a very challenging period for all involved, but uh, um, I can report our track is down, resurfaced, um, looks a million dollars. Our stables have been... Um, Cleaned, gurneyed, sterilised, so they're ready to go. Um, once again, our biggest issue at the moment is power. Uh, after a meeting yesterday with Racing Queensland um, and our, uh, our neighbours, the, the Brisbane Greys, uh, the switchboard that's required to run um, the main switchboard is on a boat coming from Germany, so that's not ideal. And because of the unique um, part, there's only so many in the world, so they are trying to source one. Uh, around the world to get flown in. Um, on the contingency side of things, um, RQR sourcing generators so that we can run um, uh, just the essential services to run a race meeting. Um, the club has put a contingency plan in with the Curic and we have a new steward's room up in the creek bar. So it's only the timing system and the broadcast. If we can get that run by generators, gentlemen, um, obviously the lights will be out um, till further notice, but... Um, I know working with David Brick, we're looking to schedule some day meetings in the not-too-distant future and um, and look to even look at some slots if we can get on Sky 2 on a Saturday uh, to run Saturday day meetings as well. Um, so uh, we are ready to race on what the club can control, but unfortunately with the um, power um, position, it's still ongoing as to when that power might be com coming on. But um, I know we're close to getting some generators in, so... Uh, I'd give us a couple of weeks and I'd like to think we'll be somewhere closer, Chris and Steve. Okay, so originally we were looking, there was a possibility that March 26, which is Saturday week, but that's not going to happen? No, I'd like to think it'd be very close to that date, 
Chris, and that's what the club's certainly working towards. But uh, as I said, from the club's perspective, we're ready to go. It's just um, obviously getting the generator, getting the power, and then slowly switching everything back on, making sure those essential services work um, uh, to run a race meeting. And once that's done, we are absolutely good to go. So uh, in the interim, um, the club's providing a, a workout day on next Wednesday, the 23rd, um, to allow horse to, to come and do some workouts and educations, unofficial ones, of course, uh, and to put horses over our new track. So um, we're trying to give the participants a, a bit of a hit out at Albion Park. And, uh, yeah, as I said, I'd like to think that um, we're getting closer to racing, Chris. But to give you a defined date, we probably wouldn't... Um, mm. I, I probably can't do just at this time. So, Scott, would the, could the first meeting back, though, be one of those day programs you're talking about on a Saturday afternoon? It, it will be either a Friday or the Saturday type of thing. So um, I, I'd hate to tell an April Fool's joke, but um, I, I'd like to think it's somewhere around there, that's for sure. Is there any power on at Albion Park at all? The only power at the, the site at the moment is Garrard's Horse and Hound, and unfortunately they've got to rip their floor up. So the only place that's got power is, is useless to them at the moment. So um, and, and look, to, to be fair, everyone is working hard to get power back on. Um, it'd be nice to think that our uh, could have some generators in here today or tomorrow so we can start that process. But um, the only part that is powered at the moment is... Um, the garage horse and hand, which is obviously empty due to the four being after ripped up. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it is frustrating, gentlemen, but um, I'd like to think there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, I can feel the frustration in your voice. Uh, just on the track itself, you, you, you feel it's ready to go. Are you happy with the way it's come up? Absolutely, 100%. The boys done a fantastic job. Um, we put a horse over it the other day, and um, uh, the bloke who worked the horse said, he couldn't hear it. It was nice on the horse's um, legs. That's nice and soft, had a cushion on it. So uh, that's why we're well, obviously giving um, the participants a chance to those tracks who might have been washed away to come in, give the horses a hit out. We're going to chuck a, um, a burger on the barbie for everyone as well. So, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's get, trying to get some sort of normality back into uh, the creek is, is where we're trying to head. What about the cost of all this, Scott? How much ballpark would it have cost so far and when's it coming from? Fix it all. Well, I, I would say, I know we, our, we've lost assets of up to about 270000 at the latest call, and that's rising. Our loss of revenue would be probably around that $200,000 mark. And um, so we, we'd certainly be on the um, um, north side of half a million dollars at this stage and counting. And we're obviously still waiting to hear back from Racing Queensland as to what relief and support they're going to offer. But um, um, we're in there swinging, doing our best, and uh, so we're... We just want to be back racing here at the creek. But um, as a club, we're probably looking at, um, as I said, um, north of that half a million dollars loss mm. at the moment. It's a huge kick in the stomach, isn't it, for a club like Albion Park? It's certainly not ideal. It's certainly not ideal, mm. but um, I've, I've got a great support team around us with the staff and the board's very uh, supportive. So, uh, And I'm sure, to be fair, Racing Canadian will certainly come to the party uh, to make sure that uh, harness racing uh, is looked after suitably as, as they should. Scott, another project that's been on, on, on the board for some time, and this is for both clubs, both the Greyhounds and also for the, for the Trotting Club, is a new tower for the judges, the broadcasters. Has there been any consideration about fast-tracking that and, and sort of implementing that whilst, whilst we're out of action? It was probably the first thing that uh, both Luke and myself 
um, put to race in Queensland. Was obviously, we didn't want to get back up racing and then have to shut down for 10 days. Well, that's done. Unfortunately, uh, their planning um, didn't allow um, that to happen while we're down because they're obviously getting stuff in from uh, other parts of Australia and the, uh, the final engineering. So it's certainly not ideal. And just we're on that topic, you know, obviously a stadium's getting built here at some stage apparently for the Olympics. Just to build your callers box, Chris, they have to go down 26 metres to find some solid um, footings to, for that to go. And so I can only imagine what it's going to take to put a 12,000 stadium in there. 26 metres? 26 metres before they hit something solid that they can put footings on. So um, that tells a story in itself. Mm. Wow, we. So th there's a possibility that, that we'll come back to racing, we'll have a couple of weeks, and then we've got to shut down again for that sort of week, 10-day period for the new tower to be uh, erected. Uh, we, we, we're sort of pushing back to, um, and both Luke and I are united on this, that um, uh, post-September before our um, before our summer uh, carnival, because there's no other way we want to get going, rolling and then and miss 10 days on what we initially thought was only a, probably a four or five day project. So that ball is still definitely in the air. But um, I can assure you, we won't be um, if we get rolling by early April. We'll, we'll we'll keep pressing forward. That's for sure. Okay, and then just on that, with the the Tab constellations uh, fast approaching. Given what's happened with the track, uh, it, it might be a blessing in disguise that the track will be absolutely A1 perfect for the, the Tab Constellations? Yeah, absolutely. You've got to take some positives out of it, Chris. And um, uh, as I said, um, the, there's some more banking got done on the track and it, it looks a million dollars. The horse that we put over it, um, the experienced trainer and driver said it was fantastic. So, uh, And we've had... Um, Still getting calls from international and uh, interstate about people coming up here, so it's going to be a fantastic carnival. So this is only a small um, bump in uh, in what's going to be a fantastic year for the creek, but um, we just need to get through it, that's for sure. And um, obviously speaking to Mark Purden on Sunday, he just he rang up just to make sure we we're all good, and uh, he he certainly committed to bringing four or five horses over for the carnival. So um, um, we've got um, uh, Telfer also bringing horses over. We've got about 10 or 12 in-state trainers, so it is going to be massive, Chris, which is uh, which is mm. something we've got to keep as a positive, that's for sure. What would Mark Purden's horse, uh, horses, Chris, some of them be earmarked that Scott's referring to? Uh, Self-assured, a cooter, that'd be the top two. Okay. Yeah, so they're, they're his two best at the, at the very moment as well, so it's a, uh, a nice little combination to be bringing uh, to Brisbane. Uh, so just on next Wednesday, a workout day plan, Scott, so... If anyone wants to nominate, how do they go about it? Do they ring RQ or do they ring the club? No, they ring the club. We get in contact with either Kate or myself, and it's all on all our socials. But if they contact Kate or myself, either via phone or email, um, we'll draw the fields up and just be in um, in class where trainers want to go with their own horses and we'll just put some allocate some time so we're not getting on top of each other. There'll be a mobile on site for any trainer who wants to bring some young horses in for education. Um, and there'll obviously be um, medical facilities on site too, so we're safe and sound with everyone. But um, just give everyone an opportunity that may need to give their horses a blowout and their track might be under repair and they want to give their horses some education. I know some trotters might need a, a bit of a hit out on the bigger track. So um, that's what we're sort of aiming to do for the participants and we'll keep that going until we're sort of back racing for sure. Okay. Really appreciate the update. Hopefully it's, uh, it's going to be sooner rather than later, but uh, you've given us good insight there this morning. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate your time.
And there you have it, Steve. So we're still, you know, probably a couple of weeks away. So we're just sourcing those uh, those power issues. So hopefully that can be rectified ASAP yeah. and then we'll be back racing. But there's a glimmer of hope there that we will be back maybe within a, uh, within a fortnight. Yeah, first or second, third of it. Well, I don't yeah. know what the dates are. What's the Saturday, first Saturday in April? Anyway, um, and that'll be interesting in itself, Chris, if, if they have a couple of Saturday day programs on yeah. Sky 2, how that turnover of those meetings would compare with, say, a Saturday night. That would be interesting when we do, if that does happen, present itself, yeah. which is possible. Absolutely. Yeah. So Friday is, the Friday the 1st uh, is a, a it was a night meeting that was scheduled, so obviously okay. they'll try and run that during the day, and then Saturday is the second. Okay. Mark Ducks is with us. All right, Mark, good morning. Yeah, good morning, Chris. How are you? Very well. You've heard the news there. Still a couple of weeks away. It's not ideal, but we're, we're getting closer by the sound of it. Yeah, can't come soon enough, that's for sure. Yeah. But in saying that, your team's going along nicely. Uh, another winner last night. You had a winner on Tuesday, a winner last Saturday night. You've got the team ticking over well. Yeah, no, they've been racing pretty good at the moment, so let's just uh, hope they can continue that way. All right, and you go back to Reckliff on Saturday night. You've got a fairly strong hand to play at this meeting as well. Race one, number two, Tommy Lincoln. He was first up last week. I thought he was terrific. Uh, sectionally, he was given no chance of running down Deus Ex, and no horse was in that race. But you must have been pleased with the way he actually found the line. Yeah, no, I thought he raced pretty well, Chris. Um, the sectionals told the story, you know, could never win the race. It was always going to be a fence race and um, the way he hit the line, his own sections were good and he was wide around the last bend. So this week we come up with a good alley. Um, we looked like we'd probably find the top and uh, he's going to take some running down, that's for sure. Right. That was his first start since October. So it was a good break. Did you notice uh, any sort of big changes with Tommy Lincoln from his last campaign to what we saw last week? Yeah, look, you know, he uh, he was ready to race there a little while back and he, I'd given him a couple of nice trials and had him in the go and then he, he got a little bit crook on me so I had to give him a week off and sort of go again. But look, he's, he's strengthened up and he feels really strong and his work's been really good since his first run the other night. And as I said, it, it, it looks like he's the leader in the race, you know, from the alley... Um, I'd imagine the one will take a trail. It'll be behind us, so it'll get the run of the race. Um, you know, and we're going to be in front. You know, we might have to run a bit of time, but, you know, it's not behind him to run a bit of time. And uh, the way he went the other night, he should should take a, a lot of running down, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Did you think he was comfortable at Reckliff, or is he crying out for that return to Albion Park? Oh, look, I think he better suited on the bigger track, but... He got around the track quite good the other night. You know, I don't think it's any um, major worries to him. So, and as I said, we've come up with a good alley for a change. All right. Captain Nemo is the horse that won last Saturday night for you. He's so consistent, this guy. He never puts in a bad run. Uh, he just keeps on keeping on this guy. He's only a four-year-old and he's so versatile. He's, he's tough. He's got speed. He's got probably underrated speed, this horse, in many ways. But uh, he just did what he needed to do last week, didn't he? Well, that's what he does. He He's never a horse that wants to win by a big margin. He's happy just to do what he's got to do. You know, everyone probably thought he would look a bit disappointing because he only sort of fell in. But, I mean, he was only doing what he had to do. And um, that's the kind of horse he is. And, as you said, he's very versatile. He can he can do a bit of work in his races. And, you know, he can come from back in the field, 
providing there's enough speed on the race, it's like any race these days, if they happen to go slow up front, it's very hard to make up the ground from back in the field. But if it's a genuine run race and, you know, he'll be hitting the line even from back in the field. So, yeah, it doesn't really worry him too much. All right. He's only a four-year-old. So looking looking long-term, that new race during the carnival, that, that Queensland-only trained uh, horses race, uh, which leads into the rising sun, could that be a, a potential target for a horse like Captain Nemo? Because the faster they go, I think the better he'll be because he'll follow any type of pace, I, I believe. Well, it, it gives you the impression he will. Um, and look, he's, he's run... He's run pretty good times, you know, for the class of horses that he's been racing. The times are pretty good when you sort of start and look at the faster class races, and he's done it tough when he's done that. Um, yeah, I would say we'd be aiming at those sort of races through the winter and that, and, um, you know, if he stays up and keeps racing well, there's no reason why we, we won't be there. Okay. This race on Saturday night draws well, gave three. Should be handed to the pace throughout. Yeah, a little bit tricky, that race. You know, there's a lot of speed out wide and, and the one will probably try and lead. Um, so, yeah, look, I think there's going to be a lot of speed off the gate, but for how far, well, that's another story. But, um, you know, I, I don't say our guy's super brilliant off the gate, um, but he can hold his own. It, it'll just it'll just depend how they all come out and which ones go forward and which ones don't, you know. But, uh, look, wherever he lands, he I'm sure he'll run a good race. All right. Race number five, the Garrard's Horse and Hound final. We've seen heats over the past week, 10 days now. You're represented by Gas Monkey, who draws the inside gate. And he's a horse that's got a really nice record here at the track. Do you give him a good chance here? Well, look, you know, we'll we'll be aiming up to try and hold the lead. There's, once again, there's good speed in the race, and I'm sure they'll all be charging. But, um, you know, we'll be doing our best to try and hold. And if we can hold... Um, He's a, he's a way better horse if he happens to find the lead. So if we find the lead, you know, like he, his run was good the other night, there's no reason why he won't race good. Mm. This race should generate early pressure, just looking at that front line. There are a few that can really find oh. the game. Well, that that's it. And look, they might be too quick for us. But, um, you know, we have got good gate speed. Whether it's enough, and look, if you look at the outside ones, there's three or four that'll go forward and... And it probably depends on, you know, like the ones beside us might be a neck in front of us and it might be a neck in front of that one. And, you know, and and then all of a sudden the one out wide, you know, got to be two lengths quicker or three lengths quicker to cross you. So, you know, that's what can happen when you get them all coming out of the gate. And, and that's what it looks like. There's good speed on that front line. So I'd be very surprised if they don't go very hard early. Okay, and the consolation of that race is race nine. You've got two runners here. Rivoli Rocket, who backs up from last night, and Sweet A. She's had the four runs back, and she's going quite okay, this mare. So they've both got winning hopes here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, you know, probably uh, depends on the one horse, whether Chamonix can happen to hold or, or Rivoli Rocket could cross. Um, you know, that'll probably determine the fate a, a little bit. Um it's obviously the one to beat, uh, the one horse, but if um, we happen to cross it and there's a chance we could, I think it made a break there um, on Tuesday, I think it was. It made a break at Reckless, so, you know, yep. there's a very good chance that we cross with Rivoli Rocket, and look, he's, his run was okay last night. He didn't probably, uh, the way they run the race, it didn't really give him a good chance. The sectionals were pretty steady early, but... Um, you know, it'll, it'll depend on the first furlong or so, where they all land and what sort of runs they can get.
Okay. Well, some good chances there. Are the best uh, early, Tommy Lincoln, Captain Nemo? I think so. I think they're the best ones, that's for sure. Okay. Has Lincoln Farm been in contact with you? Is there anything likely to come over for the carnival? Uh, you, you took care of copy that last year. Is there anything likely to come over this year? Uh, yeah, look, they're, they're hopeful of bringing a three-year-old over. Um, you know, they're just... Uh, they're marking time at the moment because uh, Ray was in Melbourne and caught in Melbourne. He couldn't get back to New Zealand there for a couple of months, so he's only just got back in the last week or so. So, you know, they're sort of just marking time with a couple of three-year-olds and they're hopeful of bringing them over and copy that. Well, everything's gone well with his um, x-rays and that, so everything's looking pretty good there. Um, I think they're, they're going to start to do a bit of walking and a little bit of trotting, so... He probably going to be pushing to be there, but um, you know, if he's if he's good and sound, I'm I'm sure they'll bring him as well. Okay. Has a horse by the name of Louis the Punter arrived at your stables? Ah, uh, yes, he's arrived. So um, Louis's there now. So we've uh, just he just had an easy week. He only just got here last week, so he's had a pretty steady week this week. But um, yeah, all, all going well. You know, we'll we'll be there within the next month, and hopefully, he can be winning when he gets there. Yeah, a half-brother to a previous Blacks of Fate winner and let it ride. Yeah, you never know, do you? Mm. <laughs> Keep your well, fingers crossed. Mark, it's Steve. Yeah, that's just, for sure. Just we're chatting with you this morning, one of my favourite horses, particularly during that, that great era in harness racing during the 80s, was a horse you had called Sunset Candios. How many starts did he end up having during his career? I think he went through an Inter-Dominion series, didn't he? He did, he did. Um Starts, I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, he ran third in the Inter Dominion in New Zealand behind um, My Lightning Blue. That's going back in the 80s, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. big odds too, so, wasn't he? He was, he was, yeah. He wasn't really expected a figure in the finish, but um, yeah, he was a good, honest horse. He was no superstar, but you know, real handy horse. And um, you know, Joe Cordina, the owner of Cordina Chickens, you know, like he. Uh, he sent him up to us, and, um, yeah, we had a lot of fun with him. What was your best horse during that era? Oh, look, we've had some nice horses over the time, you know. Um, he's alone has been a good horse to us. Um, benefactor, you know. Pocket Battleship, you know. We've had some really nice mm. horses, you know. We've had Derby horse like uh, Flintlock and Total Oblivion was, a you know, untapped, and he had a few issues. Otherwise, he, he just could have been anything, you know, so... Now, we've had some nice ones, but, um, you know, they're yesteryear and we've got to look for the future and hopefully we've got a few more there coming through. I remember I used to get 54 bucks when I used to work at the Trots, 27 from the club and 27 from the radio station and a free steak. Uh, and I remember, you, you were doing well, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> that was all right. And yeah, that's what I used to get. I remember putting the whole 54 on Sunset Candios one night at the Trots, did the right thing by me. Um, oh, well, that's, that's the main thing. <laughs> that was a long time ago, wasn't it? <laughs> it was a long time ago. Nice to talk to you. That's for sure. You too, Steve. Yeah, Mark Duck's joining Thanks, us this mate. morning. Yeah, Brittany Graham's with us now, Chris, on Mobile Rolling. I was, I was just going to say, Steve, mm -hmm. with Mark, he's based down at Woongulba, which is on the on the south side, and that's near Norwell. So yeah, Jake as if well, that yeah. track does go in down there, he'll be uh, he'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, he was at Park Ridge, wasn't he, for a long time? Yeah, exactly, mm. exactly. He went to the same high school as me. Anyway, Brittany Graham's with us. Brittany, good morning. Morning, Chris. How are you? Very well. What's making news this week for you? It's a bit of a quieter week in terms of, I guess, uh, racing from a Queensland, New South Wales perspective, a little bit closer to home for us. But um, 
plenty going on down south. There's the Group 1 Tassie Cup uh, on Saturday night, now $100,000. A good race in the west on Friday night as well and some Group 1 racing at Melton. So it's a busy weekend from that perspective um, and we're sort of, I guess, keeping an eye out on what's upcoming when it comes to Bathurst. Uh, Their card next Friday night, their big gold crown night. Uh, the race is starting to build momentum and everybody's talking about how they're going to get to Queensland. So, funny happening on that on that field. Okay. Just on Bathurst with their Gold Crown Carnival, we saw the Phillies step out last night. Uh, the Colts are going around tomorrow night. Steve and I have been talking about Petrarca. What sort of mail are you getting about Petrarca, this unraised horse that steps out in the heat first up tomorrow night? Well, he seems pretty good, doesn't he, off that trial performance? Uh, he looks as though he's got untapped ability and he's from the right camp as well. So uh, it's a different Bathurst this year because all of these horses are so new. Most of them are having their first or second starts and it's hard to get a real line on them. So uh, it will be interesting to see how he lines up, but I'm sure they wouldn't be bringing him to Bathurst if they didn't think that he was uh, something out of the box. I know Danny likes to, to support those Bathurst races, but um, he looks as though he's the one to beat in that series. And when it comes to the Phillies last night, I, I enjoyed those heats. Dual Melody was certainly the most impressive to the eye and also uh, on the clock for Bernie Hewitt. She went 55 and 4, and, and she's Q-bred as well. So she came out of the Brisbane APG sale last year, I believe. So we might get to see a bit of her on the other side of this carnival when she probably heads north for, for all of those features. Yeah, well, it was pointed out to me last night at Rickliffe that her half-siblings raced at Rickliffe last night. He's sweet. who's a Group 1 winner himself and uh, Indy Jewel. Uh, they're the, the half-relations uh, to that filly. And she was impressive last night. Big, strong, imposing filly. And she went past time. So she's obviously going to be a, a key runner in that tiara final next week. Yeah, no doubt about that. She raced really well in the pink bonnet. Uh, I think she's probably still just... Well, from her first few runs, it looked as though she was just taking a little bit of time. She led on a few occasions, and she was probably just a, a little bit lost out in front. I, I watched a few trials, and, and Bernie was just trying to teach her to sort of run away from them, but she did that last night. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you mentioned the race, which is the slot race coming up in New Zealand next month, so it's fast approaching. Uh, there's only limited spots left, I think maybe three, four tops, uh, but uh, that field's starting to take shape, so... Uh, it'll be a very interesting race. There's Aussie interest. Spellbound heads back uh, to New Zealand. And uh, as we've learned this week, Mac Dan, who competed in last week's uh, Miracle Mile, he's going back. And then it's likely he'll come to uh, Queensland with the, uh, the All-Stars operation for our Tab Constellations. But it's going to create some hype, this race. I think it's at the right time of year as well, Chris. It, it's a quieter time when it comes to that open class racing and everybody's looking for, for the next carnival to look forward to. We've got Bathurst and races like that for the juveniles. But for the open class horses, there is a little bit of a lull ahead of Queensland. So people are looking for, for where to next. Uh, it's, always, it's good for New Zealand that they've got a, another race that getting that little bit of trans-Tasman interest. You mentioned Spellbound, Mac Dan, also Stylish Memphis, so... I'm under the impression we'll be doing the majority of her racing for the remainder of her career in Australia. So these are all horses that we know really well. And then horses like Self Assured and, and the like, 
who are looking likely to come to Queensland, they pique our interest a little more as well. So uh, it'll be a 10-horse race, 8-2 and two configuration. The two mares that are currently in the race will draw 1 and 2. And then I'm hoping for, for the sake of the Aussie interest and also probably for the race itself that Mac Dan can draw off the front line because his gate speed that we saw during the Sydney Carnival is going to be uh, vital to that. But, yeah, I believe there's three slots left. It looks as though two of them are pretty well sewn up. South Coast Darden uh, slot owned by his connections. Spank him as well uh, with the Kennards. He looks as though he'll take up one of those slots also. Just He's had a, had a little setback, so they're probably just keeping their powder dry there. And then uh, the last of the slots, which includes the Summer Bloodstock Boys and Trevor Casey and the like, uh, is probably looking likely that one change, a horse that we know really well, will take up that last position. So they're still not confirmed, of course, and plenty can happen between now and a month's time, but uh, that's looking like the likely field. OK. Speaking of races and horses... Uh, I've spoken about this week, uh, the, the Rising Sun. As we know, there's only one horse invited for the Rising Sun coming up in July during our Tab Constellation. That's Bondi Lockdown. Are you surprised we haven't seen any more invitations issued? Uh, in particular, Leap the Fames won the New South Wales Derby. Akuta's a feature race winner as well since, and he'll go around tomorrow night in a prelude of, uh, prelude of the Great Northern Derby. And uh, Better Eclipse, who's beaten home Bondi Lockdown at their past two clashes, none of those horses have been invited. Are you a little surprised that they're just keeping their powder dry and they haven't issued any more invitations? Uh, maybe maybe slightly. They're the obvious three, aren't they, Chris? And connections of all horses, uh, particularly Better Eclipse and Akuta, of course, who have to travel of uh, registered or express their interest in coming. So I think it's probably just a matter of time. Um, there's probably a few other things that they're concentrating on at the moment, but it is coming up quite quickly. I spoke to Aaron Dunn earlier this week with Bondi Lockdown, and he, I think he said it was 16 weeks he'd worked out uh, until the rising sun. I think Bondi Lockdown's probably 50-50 at this point in time after his Miracle Mile run. He tied up quite badly, and um, Aaron just is... I guess in a bit of a predicament at this point in time, whether it gives him a really good break now because he had a very big three-year-old season and no real time between three and four to concentrate on races like the Victoria Cup and the Inter-Dominion or whether it gives him a freshen up and then brings him to Queensland. So I'm getting the feeling that Queensland's looking less and less likely for Bondi lockdown, which is disappointing. Uh, but I have no doubt that the other three that you mentioned, they'll all be targeting the race. And I think it's only a matter of time before they're given invites, put it that way. OK, well, Tab have released markets for both the Rising Sun and the Blacks at Fake. So if you fancy one right now, these races coming through in July, July 9 for the Rising Sun, July 23 for the Blacks at Fake, those markets are available. But there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and then. No doubt about that. But uh, on my travels over the last few weeks, the, the one word that keeps coming up is Queensland. So uh, I think we might be chock-a-block come a few months' time, Chris. I don't know where all these horses are going to live for, for a month or so, but, uh, yeah, it, it's just the carnival that everybody's wanting to get to, which is uh, great to see. So just on yeah, that, where would a lot of these horses end up being stable, Brittany? Uh, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Uh, I floated the idea last, last year, probably a little bit too late, to, to get it all organised about setting up Albion Park as somewhat of a, of a training hub or a bit of a um, demountable stable setup. I believe that's 
uh, in the works. So they'd, they'd place up some uh, temporary stabling and use the facilities there, put a few paddocks in the middle of the track because uh, with there being no training facility in Queensland, it is really hard. At Menangle, for example, most people stay there during the carnival. So... Um, there's, there's always visitors that, that stay with certain connections that they've built relationships with, but purely with the, the volume of horses that are on their way, people just don't have a spare 10 or 15 boxes to, to house mm. people. And that's that's what a lot of the connections that I've been talking to want to bring four or five horses, and it's just just tough when when there's simply not the infrastructure mm. available so hopefully we'll see something in at albion park anyway yeah well yeah you'd say if there wasn't if the floods weren't around well it may well have happened but now as scott said they're just poor you know obviously racing queensland are coming to the party but just the cost of these floods and cleaning up it's just horrendous so it's just um you wouldn't believe the timing of it but anyway is there a good thing for the weekend Brittany? Um, it's a good weekend of racing. I've had a, a quite a, a decent look at the, the Hobart card on Saturday night with their Tassie Cup. That looks a, a really interesting card of racing. And in the Oaks race number four, I think Relentless Me is a great bet. Race four, number four at Hobart on Saturday night, that $40,000 feature. Loved her first run back from a spell, and I think that she's a filly on the way up. Okay, so we'll take the tip there. Race four, number four, Relentless Me at Hobart on Saturday night. That's the Tassie Oaks. Brittany, as always, appreciate the time. Enjoy the weekend, and we'll chat again next week. Thanks, Chris. So, yeah, look- Brittany Graham joining us. So that is meant to happen, Steve, that there will be um, uh, some makeshift stables erected there at Albion Park in the back straight. I think they're looking at 20 to 24 boxes that they're going to uh, construct. So that'll house a lot of these horses that are coming from interstate or New Zealand for the carnival. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wondered if the floods might have changed that, Chris. But no, that's good news then. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to make it as easy as possible for those that are coming from interstate and uh, from New Zealand. So um, hopefully that that will go ahead. But I'm led to believe that those plans are well advanced. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. The so. Governor's Cup tomorrow night at Gloucester. This is short, Papa Nick. Uh, and you talked about Texas Tiger. They dominate the market. Matty Young's with us now. Matty, good morning. Good morning, boys. Who wins this race? Um, I'm in the corner of Papanick just because uh, Papanick's race fit and it's got the draw. And he can carve out some pretty good sectionals out in front. And I think uh, race fitness will, will definitely tell in the concluding stages. I know Gary Hall Sr., outstanding legendary trainer uh, he gets his horses pretty much spot on first up but uh, the horse hasn't raced for a fair while so look i think uh, if he wins this race he's in for an exceptional campaign at texas tiger so i was uh, happy to be in papanick's corner but i had him a bit longer in my market but um yeah i'm not surprised that he's come up that short how does he get driven texas tiger from the five that's a, a very good question steve um I think he he probably has to roll forward and just sit parked. Um, if he if they're really dinking about winning, I think he'll have to do it from the breeze. If they're going to try and look after him and let him hit the line a bit uh, for first up run and fitness purposes, then they might look for some cover. But yeah, it looks a race where he's most likely going to be in the breeze, and then he's at the mercy of uh, what Chris Voke wants to run with Papanik out in front. This is Junior's first night back from a suspension, isn't it, tomorrow night? Yeah, he had uh, his first night back a few weeks ago and then he got time again. So let's hope he gets through the night unscathed. Well, unscathed for anyone else that's around him. Yeah, absolutely. He did claim, uh, what, two Group 1s that night before getting a little time on the sideline. Speaking of that, 
Uh, were you at the trials yesterday at Pinjarra? I was. Valedictorian? Uh, yes, very impressive. Uh, he trialled over 2,185 metres, which is very unlikely uh, to see a horse uh, trialling, or a two-year-old especially, trialling over that at the early part of the season. And uh, he ran home. Uh, he went 158.9 for 2,185, which is uh, pretty pretty exceptional for an early two-year-old to be able to run those times. And 28.8 off the back and home in 28 flat, and he won by 55 metres. So what is he aiming towards then? Well, I'm not actually sure what he's aiming towards, but uh, I think he's got a few good races coming up. Uh, the Westbred Classic will be coming up a little bit later on, and uh, your main, your main two-year-old races, the Champagne Stakes, I'm not actually sure where all those races sit now with uh, the change of calendar season now to uh, calendar year. Uh, so I think there has been a few little adjustments. So I'm not 100% sure when we'll see a few of those races, but uh, he just trials. Uh, they sat him up in the trial, so he's had to breeze and lead in both of his races, and they sat him up in the trial and let him rip from the 600, and he just uh, gave the older horses an absolute lesson. So... Uh, he's very smart, valedictorian, and he looks uh, one of the better two-year-olds in the state. Him and uh, one that Aidan DeCampo had race on Monday, Soradere, who uh, looks very talented as well as two from two. So those two are the main event players in my eyes going forward towards a pretty exciting two-year-old season for the Colts. Okay, and just tell us about the ownership group involved with valedictorian. It's the, the Trot Syndicate number 20 syndicate. So... There's a lot of first-time owners involved with this uh, very exciting prospect, and he's in the ride stable, Justin Prentice. He knows his way around a horse. So th this is obviously bringing a lot of new faces to the track. Yeah, so Trotson's been around for a number of years. It uh, went away for a little while and then was uh, re rejigged and brought back up, and it just gives uh, a heap of people in the industry who don't want to spend too much money on a horse to be able to get shares in uh, different horses and get involved in the game that sort of way. And uh, Valedictorian's got a heap of owners. We also ran a promotion over here called Harness the Dream, which it was looking for first-time owners uh, that have never owned a pacer or haven't owned a pacer in at least uh, five, five to seven years, I think it was. And they went in a competition. They got to travel out to Gary Hall Senior's property for a stable masterclass. They also were able to have uh, like a questionnaire and afternoon uh, a training ex training series with uh, a lot of trainers, drivers, vets, barriers and the like uh, where myself and Ashley Rees were asking questions to the industry participants and uh, they got to learn a heap about the game and how everything operates. And uh, yeah, we had the, the big final on pacing cup night where the winner was drawn into the horse now known valedictorian and uh, the Barnards took it out 10% and they uh, waited 10 days for the horse to race at Gloucester Park. He won the heat of the sales classic and then two weeks later he was the winner of a group one so uh, that is exceptional. Uh, it was very well attended. A lot of people were very interested in and they're going to run that competition again uh, for next year as well. So uh, it was a huge success and uh, hopefully we can keep finding valedictorians for the uh, Harness the Dream members going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure they're set for a, a big, big year.
Speaking of nice horses, I'm really intrigued by this opening race tomorrow night at Gloucester Park, the three-year-old. High price steps out, the Mickey taker, wonderful to fly. And there's a few others there that have good ability as well. This is going to be a ripping race to kick off the card tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm 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 torn in this race. I'm very confused uh, because I I honestly think Wonderful to Fly can cross them if uh, Shane hits her on the rump at the start, but she can also fire up. So uh, it's a catch twenty two. If she, I think if he shows speed and he leads, I think he'll win as long as she doesn't fire up. But if she fires up, then she's at the mercy of a few horses in the race, including the Mickey Taker. The Mickey Taker doesn't look to have tremendous gate speed, and High Price has done things wrong his last two times from uh, the from the gate. So that's, that's uh, the little issue that I'm running with there. But also at the same time, I think uh, she can sit in behind them in a small field, and I think she might have too much speed for them. So... That's uh, therein lies the problem. What does Shane do in the race? And um, yeah, I guess we'll have to find out tomorrow. But look, I think she's the one to beat, and I've actually marked her as my best bet on the card. Uh, so it's interesting that you brought that up. So I'm going to say race one, number three, wonderful to fly. I think she has two different ways to win the race, and I think she can win the race. So uh, the Mickey Taker just concerns me. He's had two really hard runs his last two weeks, so now he's stepping out third week in a row and uh, his gate speed's a little bit lacking. So I can't see him getting around high price, and high price is racing two very talented horses, and one of those can drop a 27 uh, in a stride. So, And she's going to be close if she doesn't try and get the front. So it's a bit of a tricky race, but I think both scenarios uh, point towards wonderful to fly, and I think she could fly under the radar a little bit because she's racing the boys. Okay, well, race one, number three, your best bet, a filly that's won 11 from 20 and banked more than $200,000 already, and she's still got a very big season in front of her. So we'll mark her as the best. Race one, number three, wonderful to fly. As always, Matty, really appreciate the time. Look forward to the chat again next week. Cheers, boys.